Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good afternoon, folks. Man, this is a kind of a first for us. Uh, we are beaming into your phones live from the studios at Chestnut Ridge Church. How about that? Man, it is great to be with you this evening. First thing I want to do is encourage you, if you're watching, as you get on, would you share this video? I know some are probably coming on right now. Um, one of the greatest ways you can help tonight get things out is to take and right where you're watching, just go ahead and share this video. Um, just excited about being with you tonight. Um, I, I hate the circumstances that we're not together tonight, but, uh, but also, uh, I think, uh, that the Lord's honoring good decisions. Um, and you know, we're just excited about being together tonight. So, uh, I'm going to invite you to go ahead, and while you're getting, uh, some folks are getting on, I'd invite you to get your Bibles out, if you would. Uh, maybe you don't have access to your Bible. Maybe you just need to get somehow get a device if you can. But if not, I got you covered. But in James chapter 1, that's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, there's maybe some folks sitting in a break room uh, at work. There may be some folks on the road watching as they're driving down the road. You know, it's amazing um, the technology that we have today and the difference it has made in ministry and in our lives. Um, you know, it can be used for good or bad, but I am so thankful to be able to use this for good to this evening. I want to let all of our folks, our Chestnut Ridge Church folks, know that we love you. Um, we care about you. We're praying for you, praying for your family members. Uh, please be praying for each other uh, during this, this time that we're going through right now. And also, uh, if you're just viewing with us, uh, maybe you're one of our online families. We've got folks that watch online and, um, you know, honestly never have been able to step foot in the sanctuary. Uh, we want you to know that uh, it's an honor to have you as part of the family. And so while I'm getting my infomercials out, uh, let me remind you that there are a couple of ways that you can uh, help support ministry here. You can give online. Uh, you can go to our website, CR, well, it's life at crc.com. You can find the link on Facebook, Instagram, um, several different ways. And you can go there. Um, if you have our app, our church center app, you can uh, give that way. But you can mail in. And maybe over the next couple of weeks, that might be something that we have to revert back to doing. It worked really well during uh, last year's time when we were kind of locked down. So I'd encourage you to do that again this time to help support ministry so we can bring these things to you. So I don't want to bring too much by way of uh, like <laughs> announcements before we get into God's word. So, um, But let me do this. Let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, as we come to you this evening, um, there are many, many heavy hearts around our community, um, around our state, around this country, but 
I'm, my heart's breaking for a lot of folks around our area right now. There have been several uh, people who've lost loved ones. Several families have been um, kind of turned upside down. All of them are not because of COVID. Uh, there are others that came by way of just by accident, it seems. And um, Lord, I'm praying for them. I'm asking you, God, to give them. Well, I pray that what we talk about tonight would be something that would be a, a truth in their lives uh, in the days going ahead. And we give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to talk to you a little bit about just a few verses in James chapter 1. I want to, I'm going to read these verses for you. And so if you would, listen along with me. James, it says in verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, he says, greetings. He says, my brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen to that again. He says, my brethren, he says, we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He says, but let the patience... Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When we look into this text, there's something that jumps out at us almost immediately. is the fact that uh, he is calling out to us and trying to give us a, uh, I, get, I believe, an exaltation that sounds almost contrary to what life is like. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. We all know that life is full of trials. There's no doubt about that. Many folks even right now are going through trials, but we've always went through trials. I mean, it's throughout our lives we go into trials. There's one thing that I want you to note right off the bat, that there's nothing that has happened to you or happened to anybody else that has not sifted through the hands of my Father, my Heavenly Father. He has, he has let these things into our lives for particular reasons. But James here says to count it all joy. Man, I don't know about you, but that seems to be a hard task sometimes is to count something like a trial to be joy. And when I look up, uh, I want to go and actually walk us through a few things. And so um, I'm just going to casually walk you through some things tonight. And I believe uh, God is going to speak to us in a great way. So when I go to James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different or various trials. That word trials, uh, when you look it up, it is a, uh, like a proving, like a, a trial, a test, an experiment, an attempt at proving something, uh, integrity, virtue, consistency. Um, you know, and so... The idea here is that there is a, um, a trial or a test or uh, um, a proving that's going on. So he says when you fall into various trials, you fall into various things that God has allowed through his hands into your life. Um, have, hasn't been long ago today that uh, was doing a funeral f for a family, and that is a trial that came into their lives. They have been tested by this loved one uh, losing their life. And now life's going to be different. 
and so they didn't ask for this. They didn't, uh, they didn't expect this. This is not something that a couple of weeks ago that they believed was going to happen in their lives. But it is the reality of their life today. There are folks that probably have lost their jobs today. There are folks that went in and maybe even the places with which they work, they shut down. Uh, maybe for some reason they didn't have enough um, material. They sent them home and they won't get that day's pay. There are po- folks that have been to doctor's offices today and heard some uh, bad reports. So what I'm trying to get across to you is that there is there are a lot of things in, in the life of all human beings, saved people, lost people alike. There are a lot of things that we fall into, that we go into. Sometimes it is the battle for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's, it's that, that battle that we're going through. But nevertheless, listen to what he says. He said, I want you to count all these things joy when you fall into various trials. My mind goes to Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus says, wherefore, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. When you think about what Jesus Christ endured when he was on this earth and he, he was going to the cross, I mean, they took a crown of thorns, they plaited it, and they mashed it down into his skin on his head. They beat him with reeds. They whipped him with the cat of nine tails. I mean, they spat upon him. They ripped out his beard from his face. Um, they stripped him of his clothes in front of everybody. They, they caused him to have to bear the, the part of the cross on the way to Calvary. I mean, so when you think about it, Jesus Christ uh, was enduring some various trials in his life at that time on this earth. But he says, I press on because the joy that's laid before me, before me uh, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. And so when I think about that, I think about the fact that if you and I are experiencing various trials in our lives, we have a kind of a kinship, a kindred spirit with Jesus Christ because God did not spare his only son the agony of the cross and the uh, the punishment that came with it and then also laying upon him the sin of fallen man. And then he says that if you're going to follow after me, you're going to experience very these similar things. That if you follow after Christ, you're also going to experience agonies. So there's a lot of things that we go through in life. Losing loved ones, finding out bad reports, um, losing jobs, having financial stress. But then also the trials that come along with actually being a soldier of Jesus Christ. But we are to count it all as joy as we're falling into these various trials. I think if we look a verse further, we're going to find out that there is an answer to this, and it's not the answer that a lot of people want. Listen to what he says. He says, knowing that the testing of your your faith produces patience. Now, I want to look um, at two words in particular in in that verse, and I think we might be able to see a few things that we've maybe never really thought about in this light before. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to um, verse 3. And he says there, knowing that the trying or the testing of your faith, and I want to give you a, uh, read you a definition of that word faith, because when we think about faith, I believe we think about faith in a different light than we should. You know, we're told sometimes, man, you just need to have more faith. You just need to have more faith. And when I hear that, it's almost like somebody's telling me, you just need to try a little harder to believe in Jesus. You just don't believe in him 
pure enough? You don't believe in him hard enough? You don't believe in him true enough? I mean, maybe you just need about eight more pounds of faith or maybe 15 more ounces of faith and you just might be able to get it. That's not what that means, my brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, listen to these definitions. This faith is talking about there, the conviction of the truth of anything. In general, if we're talking about faith, it's the conviction of the truth of anything. The belief, and when you think in the New Testament terms, it's of the conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. And I'll get you a little further along. But, you know, a lot of people talk about, hey, uh, you just got to have like, it's like having faith in this chair. You got to believe that that chair is going to hold you before you actually sit down in that chair. Uh, please don't take any, um, please don't take this the wrong way, but there are some furniture manufacturers that I wouldn't trust to sit in a chair that they had built. But if you take and go back in the day and go down to Broy Hill, and Broy Hill's going to make a stool, and, and you got that stool, and then you got some cheap piece of something that we got from some secondhand store that was made in a place that the wood ain't real good quality and the workmanship's not good quality, I'm going to take that stool made by Broy Hill right here in the good old United States of America and North Carolina because I'm going to know that they have used some quality wood that's been inspected. It doesn't have any knots. It doesn't have any imperfections. And it is put together by people who care about what they're doing, good craftsmen, and they have engineered this thing to hold up a good-sized boy like myself. And when I think about that, I've put my faith in that stool over the other one because I know the craftsmanship. I know the maker of that stool. I know the materials that it's made out of. Listen again to a, a, an an, a definition here. I'm sorry. Uh, it's the uh, conviction that God exists, in, is, the, is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower. Uh, when it comes to religious beliefs of a Christian, the belief uh, that of everything that we know about God himself, his character, um, his fidelity, his faithfulness. And so when you think about that, Think about your salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Now think about that. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Do you know that I believe that God opens our eyes to who he is and also who we are at salvation, that we are lost and undone without him, and the revelation of Jesus Christ that comes through the preaching of the gospel as to uh, who God truly is, that, that Christ is the virgin-born son of the living God, that he uh, died for our sins, they buried him in tomb, and he rose again. You understand that you are receiving knowledge about who God is, and that is what you are putting your faith in. That is your, I mean, that, that's what you're putting your trust in, your belief in, and that is our faith. I take, take that back. That's not what we're putting our faith in. That is our faith. That's who we are, are trusting in. So each and every day of our lives, we believe as a Christian on what we know about God. So if I want to increase my faith, it goes to reason that I am going to increase my knowledge of who God is. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that, that those without faith it is impossible to please God, but those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Did you catch that? We must believe that he is. 
It's not me mustering up in me more ounces of belief. You know, it's like, well, I just need to be more pure in my prayer. I just need to be more true in, in my, uh, the sincerity of my heart. I've even heard preachers say that when you're praying to receive Christ, that, now listen, son, you really need to mean this now. I mean, you've got to really, really mean this sincerely from your heart. Are you kidding me? How can a sinful man with his wicked, depraved heart be pure in his decision that he's going to make for God. No, folks, listen. What's happening is that God reveals himself to us in salvation. I once was blind, now I see, and there he is. And he reveals to us what we need to know about him, the knowledge of him, so that we might become children of God. And we believe what he has taught us about him in the revelation of Jesus Christ through the gospel. And throughout our lives, we go, man, you just need to have more faith right now. And see, listen to the verses again, knowing that the testing of your faith. So when you go through these various trials, you go through these temptations, you go through these um, various tests that come your way, that knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now that word patience can literally be translated endurance. So think about it now with me. Knowing that as you go through various trials, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, and I hope you hear this tonight, folks, as you're going through various trials and temptations, as your faith is being tested, what you believe about God is being tested, that it is going to work out, become perfected in you by giving you endurance. So how is that going to happen? Well, see, the way you increase your faith through these various trials and these various testings and temptations is that you need to learn more about God. How do you learn more about God? You get in his word. Do you get it? You get into his word, you learn more about him. Take David, the the good shepherd of Israel. David in the 23rd Psalm, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now think about that. He didn't say some dude came along and said the Lord could be my shepherd. Oh no, that's not what happened. While David was walking in the footsteps that God had given him to follow, David learned that the Lord was his shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How does he know that he's not going to want? Because he knows that the Lord's going to provide for him everything that he needs according to life and godliness. You know, when I think about grace, is God's grace sufficient? Well, I know God's grace is sufficient. But the reason I know his grace is sufficient and the reason that that is my faith is because I know of the grace of God. It is the grace of God that saved me. It's the grace of God that has sanctified me up to this point. And throughout these processes of things that have happened in my life and things that have happened in your life, that you go back to the things that God has so revealed to you. And he's revealed them to you through the scriptures. It's not like some new revelation that you've gotten. No, God has revealed it through the scriptures. Now think about that for just a moment with me, folks. He says, my brethren, my brothers, my sisters, count it all joy. In other words, rejoice in the fact that God is working these things out for you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he is working out a far greater weight of eternal glory in your life. I wish I could, sometimes I wish I could say things that I want to say so that I could get a point so across, across so clearly, um, but I think it's a little too abrasive, a little too aggressive for some ears to hear. But life is heck, folks. I mean, life 
happens. And life seems to be happening a whole lot here lately. We don't know who to trust. You know, I'm a firm believer with everything that's in me. And, and you can take this for whatever way you want to take it, but whatever. But if, but if we actually had the majority of the people in the country actually trusted the people that were leading them and thought that they had their best care at heart, I, th I don't think you'd have a problem with people. Matter of fact, I think people would be lining up and saying, if you think that this is the best thing for me, I trust you and I'll, I'll get this vaccine. But that that's not what's happening. We don't tr trust a lot of our leaders. That doesn't mean we don't trust all of them. And I don't care which ones you trust and which ones you don't trust. It's not the point. See, here's what I'm trying to get across. I know things about God. I know, number one, that God is not the author of chaos. God is not the author of confusion. That's what the Bible tells me about my God. My God will never lie to me. My God wants the best for me, and sometimes the best for me seems to be the worst thing on this earth, but God is there again working out a far greater weight and eternal glory. And so, But I know that my God won't lie to me, but I know who will lie to me. There is, a, there is one that is against the good things of God, and he is the author of lies. He's the author of confusion. And so when I sit here and I try to make a decision in life and I go, I can't make this decision because I, I, it seems that there's so much confusion going on. I can promise you one thing. You need to be looking for God and not being confused by all these different things coming different places. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's good just to turn YouTube off. Sometimes it's good just to turn all the Facebook videos off and turn all the other. As a matter, you might even want to turn your text messages off. Man, I get one text message from somebody telling me I ought to do one thing and another text message from somebody telling me I ought to do something else. All of them Christians, professing Christians. You know, and I'm sitting here going, you know what? I think I'm just going to quit listening to all of y'all. I'm going to go to my Bible and I'm just going to rest in the Lord. You know, the Bible says that if you'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. That if you will resist uh, your your desire for the fulfillment of your pride, that God will take you and pull you in close to him because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you'll humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you in due time. That's who our God is. And the only reason I know that, see, that's my faith. That's what I know about God, and I believe that about him. And so my faith is stronger today than it was 10 years ago, but it is not because I mustered up some way to be more pure in my thoughts in trusting God. No, what happened was that I got into the eternal word of God, and I learned a little bit more about God. I lived a little more life, and I found out that the Bible is true, and every day of my life, if I'm in his word doing what he's called me to do, then I know more about him, and the more I know about him, the more I trust him. It's just like those stools. I know the maker. I know the, the one that wrote this book. I know the one that formed and fashioned me in my mother's womb. And I know that the, 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 the word of God that's been revealed to me through this text has taught me about who he is. And so a question for you is, do you know him enough to have that joy in various trials? Because, my friends, if all you try to do is listen to what some people say, well, you just ain't got enough faith. And what they seem to be meaning is, 
You just need to trust him a little more. Well, the only way you're going to trust him more is to read his word. They don't tell you that part. You see, if we dive into his word and, and, all, and learn more about him, once again, our faith increases. Yes, I believe him more, and I believe him more sincerely about certain things, but it's only because I know him in a different light. You know, I think about those folks that throughout the Bible, like Moses. Can you imagine what it was like to be Moses leading the people of, of Israel out of Egypt? They come up to the Red Sea. Moses hadn't never seen God split a Red Sea before. I mean, Moses, I mean, Lord, Moses, before he went into the uh, the desert of Midian, I don't think he'd ever seen a bush burn before and not be consumed. But as he progressively walked along with the Lord, God taught him more and more about his character, about who he was. Now, Moses made plenty of mistakes along the way, as we all do. But, man, can you imagine the difference between Moses pre-splitting the Red Sea, and Moses, when he's holding that rod up, the people are walking across and they get to the other side. Can you imagine what was going on inside of him when it was they were up against a brick wall? And I know many of you right now feel like you're up against a brick wall and you just don't know how you're going to live tomorrow because of the things that have happened to you today. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's going to be like if you'll dig into God's word? Let God take you through another trial that you've fallen into and on the other side of it to see God come through. That my God is a Red Sea splitter. He is the one that can cause the walls of water to stand up on one side and on the other. He can dry the seabed up overnight with a strong east wind and cause a whole nation of Israel to walk across on dry ground. And then when the enemy comes in, can drown the enemy. And when he get on the other side, he's the one that can provide for you for tomorrow. They had no promise of water. They had no promise of food. I'll never forget, I've quoted it so, so many times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Kenneth Ridings. To see, when the sheep gets to the place that it only wants what the shepherd wants it to have, then the sheep will have everything that it wants. See, so these things that you're facing today, and I know a lot of people are facing them, various trials and temptations, I want to encourage you that the only way that I know that you are going to have joy, count it all joy, it's almost, it is, and it's literally an accounting term that you count up. And I don't know about you, and this might not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is exactly the way it lays out, but this is what I feel in my life at that time from this text. That brethren, you are to account it all joy, to count it all up joy. I start counting on coins that I already have in the bank. I remember a time when we didn't have much of anything for the kids for Christmas. Didn't hardly have no food in the in, in the the house to eat for a length of time. We were at Fruitland, students there. Christy and I were working a couple different part-time jobs, going to school full-time. And I remember a church knocking on our door from down toward the eastern part of the state. 
You know, they had Christmas for our kids in the car. They had food for us. When I think about the various trials that I go through, I'm telling you right now, I count that day. And I put it there. I think about the time that we um, didn't know what we was going to do. One of our children had broken their arm, and and I was trying to sell a car, and I won't go through the whole story, but I was desperately trying to get some kind of money out of the people that we were selling it to, and it was family. And I just wanted $500 from them. We went to the hospital, and... Somebody stopped by the hospital because the uh, the chaplain at the hospital had told me, called me and said, hey, there's somebody left an envelope here for you. We had gone to Asheville to a specialist, to a pediatric specialist to get a cast and get their elbow, elbow checked out to make sure it didn't need to be set. I stopped by the hospital on the way back, and in that envelope there, nobody knowing about this. I mean, we lived in South Carolina and just moved to North Carolina, and nobody knew about that $500 in that car that I was trying to sell. There in that envelope on the way back home was $500, five $100 bills. God was just showing me just how easy it is for him to come up with the things that I need in life if I'm following him. And I take that and I stack it in the deck with that corn. I've seen God do miraculous things. To physically heal people. I'm not sitting here telling you that God heals all people all the time. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you right now. I can tell you that God's done some things. I'll never forget Jerry Dover. His sister. A sister-in-law I think it was. On a Wednesday night he come down and he asked to intercede on her behalf. To sit in and have us pray over him on her behalf. They were going to take her off the ventilator. Got the, was getting the family around because they knew good and well when they took her off the ventilator that she was going to be gone. We prayed for her that night. I think she lived three years after they took her off. And I take that and I count it there. And so whatever trial I'm going through, I sit here and I think about the goodness of God, how good he's been, how good he has has been to us and who he is and and all of his character and all of his um, you know promises to me and the promises to my family and I think about all those things and I count those things up and when I I'm in that various trial that's going on I think about it and I go God I believe that there's a chance that this is going to be one more coin in the stack that I can count up that I count it all joy when I'm falling to various trials. And listen to what he says. Knowing that the testing of your faith, what you know about God, produces patience, endurance. In other words, I'm a little further along than I was yesterday. There's a little song that says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. He says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When I think about me being perfect and complete and lacking nothing, I feel like, well, Lord, that's going to have to be when I see you because I sure ain't perfect now and I'm sure ain't complete. But that's what God's doing. He is 
Well, the Bible says that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until will till till the day of will see it through until the day of completion. I'm sorry, he who has begun a good work in you will see it through until the day of completion. If you are a child of God, your heavenly Father is not going to let you down. No matter what you may think you're going through, he can't fail. That's what we believe about him. That is our faith, is that he is a promise-keeping God. He is an eternal God. He is a God that does not lie. He's a God that changes not. He's the God that created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, made man from the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life. He's the God that's coming back again one day. I just stood by the graveside with this family today reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the dead and and we who are alive and remain shall not precede those who are asleep and I just told him I said you know if we take that verse for what it says you know that literally means to me that if God was to come back right now this uh, cemetery would just bust wide open and we'd see it and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the air but not preceding those who are asleep. I don't know what your thoughts are about end times, but I can just tell you right now, I think the rapture is his best plan. You can debate that with me all day long if you want to, but I think that's that's a pretty good plan, and I'll go with Kenneth Rydens. Hey, God, I'm praying that you count me in on that one. I'd rather uh, get snatched out of here than see death, but uh, hey, God, that's your business. What I'm trying to tell you, though, he's coming back one day. If you don't know him, you can know him now. I can't pray a prayer for you. I don't even know that I feel comfortable praying a prayer with you. But I know this, that if you will repent and believe. I see, that's a little more straight up Bible. Jesus Christ said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I'm telling you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, folks. Would you repent today? If you're not saved, would you repent and say, God... I acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ did die on the cross for my sins. They put him in a tomb and he rose on the third day. So I've repented of the fact that I am a sinner and I'm believing that the work that Christ did on the cross, he finished and it's complete and it was on my behalf. And I'm asking you to save me upon my profession of belief and be my Lord. I want to encourage you, if you've done that to this evening, would you contact us? If you're watching online, you obviously are a little tech savvy. You can message us on Facebook Messenger. Maybe it's going to be uh, IGTV or whatever it is uh, on our on our website. You you can find a way to get in touch with us. There's phone numbers. There's emails. There's um, like I say, messenger, different things like that, would you please contact us and let us know that you received Christ tonight? We would love to help uh, lead you in the right direction. As a matter of fact, somebody uh, come to faith in my office on Sunday afternoon around 4.30 just this week, and uh, we'll be baptizing that person soon in, soon in the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll be having the baptism water stirring. We'd encourage you to follow along in believers' baptism. Or maybe you don't live here or close by. Maybe you got another church you're affiliated with. Hey, 
go tell somebody that you now are a new creature in Christ and you need to follow through in believer's baptism and be discipled. Uh, I just want, I want to encourage you, if you did that, welcome to the family of God. For all the believers out there, I want you to strengthen your faith by knowing more about who God is. Get into your Bible and know that we love you. So I'm going to close this in prayer in just a moment, and I want to encourage you. Um, hey, if you don't have a church home, visit with us. We're going to be outside for a little while. We've been outside two weeks. Lord willing, creek don't rise, the weather permitting. We'll be outside this Sunday morning, 930 and 11 o'clock. Um, right here on campus, you can drive up. We have a radio station that you can tune in. If you want to stay in your car, uh, you can tune into that radio station and listen. You don't even have to get out of the car. Stay right there. Uh, but you can bring a lawn chair, bring a blanket out. We've had two beautiful Sunday mornings outside. I'd love to invite you to come and be a part of that with us. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.